Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. going to continue uh, in this uh, sour series, the sour subjects that we're talking about. Um, some of you maybe have jumped online. If you want to jump onto our uh, app uh, and just scroll up to the, uh, to the uh, sermon notes section, um, we're going to put a lot of notes in there for you to kind of look at through the week. We're going to put some of them on the board uh, for you today to kind of follow along. You know, I've gotten a lot of interest about this series over the last couple of weeks. People have asked me, Pastor, how's it going? Like, like what's the chatter? What what, uh, what are we hearing? What are we feeling? And I just like, I think that it's going pretty well. I said, I'm getting a lot of comments, kind of like from the day one, week one, when I told you, I said, listen, some of the things we're going to talk about, some of you are going to love, and some of you are going to not love. Um, and that's kind of the reaction that I've gotten over the last couple of weeks. So some of you have been struggling with some of these subjects, and uh, some of you have been enjoying them. So at least over these couple of weeks, I've been doing my job. I've been making some of you happy, and I've been making some of you mad. So uh, there you go, right? And I'm probably going to do it again today, all right? So uh, we're going to continue in this series. Um, we are going to be very loving and caring and yet very biblical and direct. So again, that's probably where some of the offense or some of the challenge comes to. Uh, you're not, probably not going to be really mad at me, but it might be some of the biblical truth that, that we need to unpack um, in these moments. And so today I want to take on um, kind of this idea. Um, in, in fact, I've, I've t- entitled today, Mind Your Business. Mind your business. So we've been talking about this sour subject series, and I said on week one that we have really primary, there are four primary tastes. Um, And to be honest, I don't know if there's others in the house, but I particularly like sour stuff. Um, In fact, kind of on my cheat days, or kind of if I'm going to cheat on my health plan, it's usually on road trips or when we go away. Um, And one of my go-tos that when we travel, um, I like Sour Patch Kids. Listen, I know I'm probably too old for that stuff, but I like sour stuff, and uh, I don't do it normally, but kind of when we do a getaway or we're heading out of town, you know, I usually hit kind of the candy aisle of the store and just kind of load up. And so Debbie and I went away last week, and, and I've told that story, I think, you know, as part of this series. And so before we left for the trip, somebody from the church dropped off last Sunday a big bag of these um, to go along with my road trip. And I was like, man, you, you know where my heart is on this, right? So um, you can tell that I didn't eat the whole bag, all right? So um, I was pretty good on the trip. But, uh, but I realized that we all have particular tastes. And we deal with things differently or how they affect us. And so one of those sour subjects that we want to talk about today is this idea of mental health. I want to talk to you about kind of the idea, the struggle, the challenges that come along with, I think, what is very persuasive in our culture today, and that is the understanding, or that is, of mental health. I I think mental struggles and illnesses have really been a taboo issue for a long time. 
I think certainly in the world and, and maybe even in the church or even maybe more in the church. I was talking to a couple of people this week. I think that, you know, if we wouldn't have talked about this issue 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, you know, there would have been maybe just a straight answer or an avoidance answer or uh, you just need to pray about it, you know, or whatever. Um, but these were things that were, you know, really not often talked about. And yet, I think today that maybe the pendulum has kind of swung uh, to the other side is that where this idea of, of mental illness or mental health has become a big part of people's lives. Uh, uh, that people openly now are talking about their issues and, and they've got issues with all kinds of stuff. And, and I've got th a therapist now and I'm seeing this person and that person. And, and so whether that's good, not good, whatever, whatever, we realize I just that, that the pendulum has, has really kind of shifted to the other side, where now people are very open to talk about some of the challenges and struggles that they face. And so, kind of the question for us, people of faith, people that obviously believe in healing or miracles, that, that you know, do we carry just kind of some of the old stuff that we just need God to heal us, um, and, that, and that's all it is, or do we realize that in our culture and in our society today that there is legitimate to some of the issues and struggles that people face? You know, part of the, the truth of it is, and certainly for us here in America, is that, you know, although certainly we have our issues and struggles and problems, I mean, our life compared to the rest of the world is, you got to believe, we have it pretty good, right? And yet, America far outranks almost every other country in the world when it comes to depression medication, when it comes to, to, to being medicated over the challenges and struggles and depression and all of the things that, that bring on mental struggle and illness. And, and so, where do we kind of fit into the midst of all of that, recognizing that it is so persuasive in our culture, in our society, and yet as a believer, point on the issue of mental health. You know, I think that when we see people that have physical struggles or disabilities, um, that, that we go out of our way to help them, right? I mean, if we see a crippled person or someone that's in a wheelchair or dealing with things that, that we can see, most people, we go out of our way, how can I help you? How can I, what can I do to, to make today go better? But yet, Oftentimes when people deal with mental illness or struggle, that, that we give them maybe a little bit of time, but because we can't see it, because we don't fully understand, oftentimes we're quick to walk away. We're quick to say, I don't know how to help them. I, I don't know what to do. And, and oftentimes we just back off or, or we don't do anything. And so, again, where do we find the rank about how do we deal and how are we loving and caring with people that that have mental, uh, uh, the mental issues or, or struggles today as well. Um, you know, often menta, mental illness today has definitely, again, with that pendulum shift, become definitely more mainstream. Um, uh, probably three years ago, um, I, I rarely go to the doctor, thankfully, uh, because I stay pretty healthy. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I was down on one of the JOA rides in Virginia and ended up in a big bike crash, um, and, um, and, and I injured my leg. Fortunately, I was able to finish the ride, um, and, but on the drive back from Virginia, I was obviously driving and my leg was, was hanging down, like trying to drive my truck home. Um, 
the injury just kept getting worse. So what had ever happened in my lower leg region was, was just getting worse. And uh, so it was about a six and a half hour drive home. And when I got home, uh, my calf was, was very big. Um, and kind of the first thing after Debbie said, hey, welcome home, whatever she saw my leg, she said, you are going straight to urgent care. Like, what is going on with your leg? I'm like, like she knew about the crash, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And like most guys, right, I'll go tomorrow or I'll go next week, right? Like kind of holding it off. And she's like, no, you're going to urgent care right now. And so we drove down here onto 26th Street, went to urgent care. I got in to see the doctor. Uh, she looked at my leg, and she said, I've never seen a calf that large and that hard in my entire career. She said, you are going to the... St. Vincent emergency room like right now. I'm calling and you need to go there right now. So I wasn't that concerned at the moment, but I got concerned right then. Like, whoa, like what's going on? So obviously I was kind of thinking, you know, do I have a blood clot? Do I have like, there obviously could be something serious going on. So I did go to the ER and they did uh, sonograms or, you know, kind of these scopes to to find arteries and like what, what's the extent of the damage or whatever. So I did all those things and I'm laying in the ER room and someone came in the room and said, hi, I'm from mental health and I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. Like, wow, that's strange. Um, yeah, and, uh, and she said, how are, how are you feeling? Um, have you ever felt like hurting yourself? Have you ever had thoughts of suicide? <laughs> like... I'm great. I just came back from the JOA, man. Like, I just biked 200 miles. It's like, I'm happy. Like, mostly, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm ex- but it's my leg. Like, it's not my mind. Um, and I've talked to some medical professionals, and they've said over the last five to eight years that in all of these kind of trauma issues and, and as you go to these kind of things, that they are indoctrinated, incorporating this idea of, of, the mental issues in which people are coming to the hospital about. I don't know if that's happened to any of you. Maybe, again, kind of on this uh, unrelated kind of case. But there is a sensitivity um, as to the emotional state of where people are today. And obviously, the medical profession has, has moved in that direction as well. So today, what is it that the Bible has to say about our mind? Well, the Bible has a lot to say, right? The Bible has a lot to say about our mind. The Bible talks about a troubled mind. We read about that in 2 Kings. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about a depraved mind. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of a depraved mind, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. The Bible talks about a sinful mind. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And the Bible also talks about a blinded mind. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so today I want to frame the message, if we could relate it to creating a business. And so that's where the title comes from, Mind, period, your business. 
Now, some of you can relate because you've been in a business environment, but we're going to keep it really big and general to where I think all of us can relate if we can just use that as the framework to guide ourselves through this talk today. So I want to talk to you about, in creating a business, the idea of fortune. When most people start a business, there is a plan for success. How many would agree? Most people don't go into business to fail, right? That's not part of the business plan. The part of the business plan is, is that I want to plan for success. I want us to relate to that emotionally and mentally. So God is with us, and his plan, right, is for us to succeed, not to fail. Are you with me? Right, his plans, Jeremiah says what? Are to prosper me, right, to bless me, to, to be a part of it. And so much of that begins with not only how we see God, but how we see ourselves. And so there is a plan for success. I think every company sets out to become either profitable or to add value to society. There are profit companies whose bottom line is the dollar. That's how they gauge if they're successful or not. Are we making money? And then the other side of the coin are the nonprofits. Obviously, Tori helped us to realize that's something that the church is a part of. We are a nonprofit business. So obviously, we need profit to survive, but we recognize our profit is just to turn right back into the business, keep investing, because we have a product or a service that is beneficial to the community. It's nothing that we want to keep, it's what we want to give. How many are still tracking with me, right? But we realize that we have to have a plan for success, no matter if you're a prophet or a nonprofit. So we work to stay in business, we work to stay profitable. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 in the New American Standard says, "Therefore, prepare your minds for action." So we realize that the enemy is out right, to, to, to destroy God's purpose for our life. And one of the key areas that he goes after is our mind. It is the central hub of everything that we believe or that or we have been taught to believe or we have been experienced, right? A shift has happened in our life that causes us to think another way. Some of the areas that some of you have struggled with the teaching in the past couple of weeks is because of a certain trauma that has happened in your life and it has veered you off of the right plan and you are living, you don't always realize it at the moment, but you are living a parallel life. That, that is messing with your mind, and the outflow of that is causing all kinds of other issues in our life. In our family, uh, we've, we uh, have, have dealt with that. There, there was a trauma that, that happened in our family, and because of that, mentally, it has moved a, a member of our family for a number of years, kind of in another parallel kind of pathway. And, and it was hard for us to understand the choices they were making, the decisions they were making. Um, they were a functioning part of society, of life, of working, but, but they were moving mentally in a different direction that, that we could reason for them. And so some of the areas that, that mess with us are certain experiences or trauma, and it, it, it devastates us in our mind, and from there moves into a lot of different actions and activities that cause a lot of added trauma to our life. Anybody kind of know anybody or understand what we're talking about today? And so for us to 
plan or prepare for success, we have got to prepare our mind for action. Not only is the world against us, culture against us for the life in which God has called us to live, but the enemy wants to mess up our life, and he does that by putting thoughts, right, in our mind, or circumstances for us to doubt what God's ultimate plan is for our life. We read this most often in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writes this, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Paul says, listen, our challenge is not, we're not fighting with guns and bullets, right, that are really going to mess up our life. The weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but they are in the divine power that comes to bring about destroying the strongholds of our life. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and it is up to us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to God's word over our life. So Paul said the real battle, the real war, right, that is raging against us is that the enemy is trying to get us to believe that God is a liar, that God doesn't have a plan of success for our life, that wants to use whatever he can, situation, circumstances, trauma, sin, hello, my own actions. Can I be bold enough to say that not everything is everybody else's fault for the wrong choices in my life? Whoa, am I bringing it today, church? Right? So obviously, I have to prepare my mind for the action that I know this warfare that is around me. Paul is telling us that our job in this battle is to destroy the evil strongholds of our minds. And we're going to talk about, listen, there are some things that are a battle that are maybe above and beyond us. And so what do we do about that? Hang on. So I know there's probably already some things spinning around in there. These arguments are challenges against the knowledge of God. So that's really what we have to come down to. Are we going to believe what God says about us and, and how we determine that, how we build that foundation for our life and how we stand upon the rock of Christ Jesus or are we going to somehow be open to the, all the other messages that the world is pumping at us, the enemy is pumping at us and we are constantly valuing that against what it is that God has said about us. So again, how God, again, uh, begins to move mentally or provide these thoughts or ideas in our life that we realize that, you know, we're, we're quick to talk about that, that we, we talked about, Caitlin did an awesome job and, and uh, some of the guests that we had last week on the abortion issue, but oftentimes we quote that, that God knew me in the womb, right? We, we brag on a lot of the life and the body stuff, right? Um, uh, you know, God doesn't make junk, right? God, from the time of my womb, that God formed me, God shaped me. Jeremiah said, while I was in my mother's room, God had a plan for my life, right? And so we're all big on that kind of thing. Did God wipe away the idea of our brain? No, right? If God had plan and purpose for our life, God wanted us to be mentally free as well. If God said to Jeremiah, while you're still in your womb, I've got a plan for you to be a great prophet. And sometimes we just think about the work of that. 
Well, how many know that God had to drive his thinking in his mind to understand if I've got a plan for your life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in you from the very top of your head to the soles of your feet. We don't take the mental issue out of it, but yet we live in a very real world where there are all kinds of things, right, that are trying to mess up God's plan for our life. And as much as God had a plan for Jeremiah, if you are, if you are striving to be a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that God has an amazing plan for your life as well. But where the enemy oftentimes wants to mess us up is how we think about that. Or, or how we're unsure about how to facilitate that plan in my life. So this knowledge of God that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians, hear me today. It's this battle of what has God declared about me? What does God say about me? What does God believe for me? Listen, until you can answer those questions solidly without a doubt, the enemy is going to continue to harass your mind. And so what Paul says is that, listen, this is not a skirmish, it's not a battle, it's not a war. But we have to prepare our mind for this action. And so I challenge all of us, whether every day or we have those around us that, that are living a life to know this is what God has declared about me. This is what God has said about me. This is what God believes about me. And when we focus on what God wants to do in you and through you and for you and with you, let me tell you, we begin to overcome the fight of the enemy against us in our mind, in our spirit, and in the calling that God has for our life. And I know, a little easier said than done, so hang on, I want to give you some help in this area. You see, there are probably some of you today that are battling this issue. Mentally, you're struggling. Mentally, you don't know what to do. It gets the best of you. You lose it. You check out. You, you weep. You go into depression. And I'm here to give you a few keys today is that every day you have got to prepare your mind for action. Everybody say amen. And we are declaring what God is to us. We are declaring what God says about me. I am declaring what God believes in and through me and for me. It doesn't say that I'm still not going to have a bad day, but I am building a stronger foundation rather than letting it up to the attacks of the enemy and having him work to crumble the foundation around me. A stronghold can be a lot of things. It can be worry. How many know worry can be a stronghold? Right? What did Paul say? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. Seeking the approval of others can be a stronghold. Yes? Anything that we make an idol in our life is a stronghold. Fear is a stronghold. Hello? Massive stronghold. Guilt. Come on, somebody talk to me here today. Guilt. Resentment. Insecurity. Unforgiveness. You see, the Bible says that we're not to ignore this, we're not to coddle these things, we are not to feed them, 
We are to tear them down. Paul says you need to rip out these kind of things that could be persuasive in our God says about us, what God says for me, what God wants to do through me. That's the power of the church today, that we are in an environment and with, we are with people, hopefully, that are not here to tear people down, but to build people up. Amen? That is our profit strategy. We are not a, we are not a for-profit, we are a non-profit. We realize that our desire is that we have something of investment that the, that the society needs, that you need, and that is to know that you are a part of something that is here to build you up, to strengthen you, to help you develop into a, a, a full follower of Jesus, and to know that whatever trauma or struggle that you have faced, and there is going to be a lot of potentially other help for that, but you are going to be in a community and an environment that is going to be for you and with you. Come on, say amen with me today. So Paul says that we take captive every thought. The Greek word for that, we're going to put it up on the screen because, well, quite honestly, I don't know how to pronounce it, okay? Come on, isn't it nice when pastors can just be honest, right? Like, they would fumble up with that word, but 99% have no idea how to pronounce that word anyway. But it means to control, to conquer, to bring into submission. So when Paul says, we take captive every thought, it's that we realize today that every thought has to be aligned with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it does not align with what God says about you, believes about you, declared over you, believes in and for you, then we have got to capture it and kill it. We cannot coddle it. We can't feed it. We can't let it hang around. So we do that in a multitude of ways. We're going to get to that. See, how do I make my mind mind? Right? I've noticed that my mind doesn't always want to mind. My mind can be disobedient. My mind can be rebellious. My mind can be destructive. My mind can have a nature to want to move towards evil and not good. Does anybody else, oh, a few more, not always want to mind? Few hands in the house today. Oh, a few more. So how do we do that? Well, it's the second component of our business strategy. See, it's not only planning for success, but we've got to focus. We've got to make our mind up. You see, in business, how many would understand with me today that McDonald's doesn't focus on Wendy's all the time? That Coca-Cola doesn't focus on Pepsi all the time? Are they in battle with one another? Yeah, constantly. Do they kind of understand and look to strategies? And Absolutely. But where is their focus? Listen, if your focus is on somebody else's business rather than your business, guess what's going to happen to your business? It's going to fail. And that's what happens to a lot of businesses. Is that we get caught thinking about so many other things and we allow so many other things to come into our mind that we become double-minded. That we lose the focus of what God declared over us, what God said about us, 
what God believes for us, what God has for us. We are not taking captive those thoughts and our mind is failing to fulfill what God believes and what God has for us, our plan of success. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, say that with me, but this one thing I do, what does that shout? Focus. I can't be focusing on all of the other things. I've got to focus on what it is that God says for me. My, my plan, my business plan of success is putting God first over everything that I face in life. So I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. Sometimes easier still said than done, so hang on. But that's the goal, right? I've got to... Listen, I've been hurt. I've been traumatized. I've had this happen. Listen, we are compassionate. We understand that that it's going to take time. But how many know that God is a healer physically, that God is a healer mentally as well? So we trust in God's work in our And I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly in Christ Jesus. So let's break that down. Again, let's answer more of these. Pastor, just help me with the how. So Paul says in the verse earlier, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? This is what that means. What does that mean? What that means is Paul had his struggles too. So I'm not here to tell you that you can be fixed today. That life still isn't going to come at you. That there are going to be moments where we lose it. Where we still struggle. Paul said, listen, I haven't obtained this. I know that there is a goal, but I recognize there is still a challenge and a struggle that I face every day. He's in the race. He's in the battle as well. But he says what? I press on to take hold of That for which Jesus Christ has taken hold of me. Do you know what that Greek word means? Taking hold of? It's basically meaning like a vice or a clamp. So this is what I want us to kind of move through. You see, when we are feeling scattered or struggling or depressed or or, or we've been traumatized or all those kind of things in that process of moving towards the goal of God bringing wholeness and healing into my life. I have got to clamp on to the promise and to the word of God that he is for me, not against me. That he has a perfect plan for my life and I am not going to let go of it. So I want you to think like if I put your arm in a vice and I turned that crank, and I mean, I locked you in, how many would realize today, you're not getting out? And so I, you see, I have a part to play in all of this. Listen, just hear me, and I want to be super sensitive, but, but can I say there is a victim mentality in this discussion as well? We are living in a victim culture, right? The simplest little thing gets exploded to the max, and that kind of hinders our response, and I think that's why we talk about this as part of the sour subject, like what, what is real? 
Like, like people blow their situation up, like exaggerate it so much and play the victim role. Like how do I respond to that? How do I, how do I, and so what we have to understand is that we do have a part to play. God ultimately is the healer for sure. But that's why 1 Peter chapter 1 says that we've got to prepare our minds for action. And, and Paul says to us in Philippians chapter 3 is that I press on. I have got to clamp myself to Christ because that's what he's done for me. When we ask Christ to come into our life, God clamps us into his promise. Amen? God says, listen, you were going that way, but I'm going to turn your life around. Somebody say amen. Not just in salvation, but in every way. Some of you, you don't have to raise your hand. Christy Heath isn't here today to get in trouble, so she might be watching online with us today. So, but how many of you maybe have had an addiction, right, that, that, that took over your life, but when you came to Christ through the power of the gospel, through maybe the power of the, the congregation, the church, the desire is, is that, that you've been set free, you've been redeemed from that, Right? We realize that there are physical addictions, that, that God has the presence and the power with us, the gospel, to change our mind that, listen, I don't need that in my life anymore. I don't need to be healed and set free from that. Well, in the same way, some of the, 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 the media struggles that, that place itself that I don't match up, I'm not good enough, this victim mentality, in the same way, God wants to revolutionize your mind and stop believing the lie and start living in the truth that God has made available to every one of us today. So again, let me just kind of ask a little bit, like, how? Pat, you giving me these hows. Okay, let me give you this. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Oftentimes we believe it because we think it's natural. Well, it must be true because like where else did I come up with this? It's got to be true. Our mind gets suggestions from everywhere, and a lot of times they are false or they are detrimental to the life that God has for us. Let me give you a couple of examples. The world puts suggestions in our mind that are untrue all the time. We are led to believe we need to be a certain kind of person. We need to live a certain kind of lifestyle. We need to have a certain body. We need to drink a certain adult beverage. And if you do, man, you're going to be the life of the party. You're going to be the star of the volleyball team, right? That's what we've been led to believe, for sure. Little girls are given Barbies, this perfect example about what a woman's body should look like, and then all of the benefits that go along with it. Listen, you have been preconditioned by this world to believe all kinds of garbage, and yet when you hear the word of God, you are still in torment in belief because you have been living a false narrative for so long that it's hard to understand the truth. But can we just come into the light for a little bit this morning? Listen, social media is filling your mind with such false narratives that it is destroying our nation mentally. Everything on social media is not true. And yet we will take it like it's gospel. Do you realize there are 720,000 hours of video that are uploaded to YouTube Every single day. Can I just preach the truth for another moment? Most of you have your noses in your device and on social media. Way more 
that you have your nose and your face in the word of God. Ooh, that's sour subject now. I watched a clip on YouTube from the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm not suggesting that you follow Joe Rogan's podcast. You're adults, and it's definitely an adult content. But he was on with Ben Shapiro, who's a real advocate for a lot of good stuff. But he, they began to talk about this social media, TikTok, which is probably the number one. I mean, I'm, I'm old, so I'm out of the realm. And they have just recently updated their term of service. Listen, I don't know if you're under 30, you're probably going to get this. If you're over 30, if you're over 30 and you do get this, come and see me at the altar right after this. Like, (laughs) you got issues, all right? (laughs) He read the terms of service. It's a Chinese company. I think you all know that. It is the number one app in the world. And their latest terms of service, which none of you have read, I don't have TikTok. And listen, if you do have it on your device, I am literally scared for you. I am. In what he read, which you haven't read, every bit of your data, your keystrokes, everything that do on your device and all of your related devices they have access to. You have given them permission to get into every area of your life. Look it up for yourself and you you take it for what that is. We all know the truth is that we have given away on those terms of contract that none of us read all kinds of stuff and yet we just kind of live happily ever after. Am I right? For sure. It's kind of one of those things that we don't really want to talk about. Debbie and I were away for these couple of days, and uh, we uh, we ended up at a resort. And over the weekend, there were it was it was it was really pretty full, and uh, there were a lot of kids in the pool. I mean, like an exorbitant amount of little kids in the pool. And it was we were down in Georgia for a while. It was like a hundred degrees. So, you know, I got in the pool, like, to cool off, and I'm kind of floating around in there, whatever, and then I see, you know, there's, like, 40 little kids in the pool, which, on, on one respect, I'm like, wow, that's really cool, like, family time and kids in the pool, and then I had that moment of realization. Oh, my God. I'm in a pool with 40 children. How many know what I'm talking about? We don't want to talk about it, do we? But how many know what's going on in that pool? Am I right? And I got out of the pool. (laughs) What do we say to ourselves mentally? How many get the struggle? Like, well, I need to cool off. I need to, but but I'm I'm getting into some nasty stuff, right? Absolutely. You know, one of the only nerves that you have in your body is your optic nerve that goes straight to your brain. I'm going to have Dr. Lydia come and help me in just a moment. We have a lot of nerves in our body, but the optic nerve, from my research, we've got a couple of doctors in the house here today, so hopefully I'm, I got you. 
the, the optic nerve is the only one that goes straight to our brain. But here's the interesting thing that I learned. The optic nerve works most in sending information outwardly rather than inwardly. Most of the signal goes outwardly, not inwardly. Listen, that's enough to blow your mind right there. You say, Pastor Jim, what does that mean? It means that your mind is creating your environment more than your environment is creating your mind. You see, what you believe, you see. What you believe, you think. What you believe, you act on. See, we're conditioned to think that it's all around us, but the truth is, it's in us. And until we take mastery over that, so again, let me give you one more, and then I'm going to have Dr. Lydia come and help me. So first of all, we can't believe everything we think. Second of all, we need to guard our mind from garbage. If you're kind of a computer person, how many know garbage in, garbage out? Proverbs 15, 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. So what are we filling our mind with? Debbie and I do health coaching and we talk about food and nutrition. Any nutritionist will tell you that our body needs at, is, is, is open to at least three kind of food sources. There's brain food. There's healthy, healthy food to make us mentally sharp and physically strong. And, and all the stuff that none of us eat. Come on, say amen, right? All that food. That aisle of the store that we avoid at all costs. Then there's junk food. Come on, can I get an amen for junk food? Right? Boy, we know all about that stuff, right? And it's not necessarily, we call it junk because it's just empty calories. It's probably not necessarily going to kill you, but it's not good for us. And then there are actually toxic or toxins in our food. So it's another one of these things that we don't really want to talk about. It's like going swimming with 40 kids in the pool. <laughs> if we knew what we were eating, you'd throw your food away. Right? I mean, just do a little bit of research. Methylene, cyoxine. It's what, how many remember Silly Putty as a kid? That's what it is. It's an additive, additive that is added to most fast foods and fountain drinks. It's used in cocks and adhesives. Ammonia is sprayed on your meat before you pick it up from the supermarket to keep germs off of it. Did you know that? We know, some of that we know. Silicone dioxide. Basically sand. It's found mostly in powdered foods to absorb any clump formation from moisture in packaging until you get it. Listen, I realize that a lot of us don't like to eat healthy. But a lot of us, again, we don't know what we're eating. And we're really killing ourselves in some respect, right? There's a lot of toxins in our food. And so we're all about that. And yet in the same way, we realize that what kind of toxins are we allowing to exist in our minds? So I want Dr. Lydia, we're glad to have the Travniks with us uh, for, uh, come on, give her a big welcome. Come on right over here, Lydia. Thanks so much. There's a little tab on there. You're a taller yes. person too, so you might want to, if you feel comfortable or bump yourself up a little bit. 
So we're going to take just a couple of minutes with you. you. Okay, I know we're a little bit over time, but just hang with us here for a couple of minutes. And, and for those ladies that were at the women's event just a couple of weeks ago, Lydia shared a lot. And when Debbie came home, she's like, you've got to have Lydia, like, you've got to have her share. And it just so came up as, as part of this. That So the last component that I want to talk about is fitness. Right? We want to keep, if we're running a business, how many realize the work that regiment that has to be a part of all of those kind of things? The Bible talks about in Romans chapter 12 is that it is the renewing of our mind. The transformation process comes when we keep working at what it is. And so there is a fitness that has to take place for us to do that. We need to take care of our temple, right? We need to take care of it spiritually, physically, and mentally. And so Dr. Lydia talked to us about that, kind of this idea of mental fitness. And again, you, there are medical and medicines, there are depressions, there's all these kind of things, right, that, that we face in our life, and yet there is a God component that how do we kind of fit all of this in? So give me your Absolutely. insight on some of this. So what I would say is this is a really big picture view on where do, does the mind and the body Overlap, and there are a lot of people who are who are um, experts in neuroanatomy, neuropsychology, all of that, which I am not. But what we have found, or if you're reading on this, you'll find that there is a system, just like respiratory, nervous system, gastrointestinal system. There is a limbic system that all of us have, which involves a lot of the deep structures within our brain that regulate our emotions, our behavior, and really bring together the way that our body is, is physically with how we are acting emotionally and behaviorally. So the limbic system is a complicated, super complicated system. Uh, there's even some debate as to which structures are included in that system because neuroanatomy is a wild, wild uh, subject. But these are the structures like your amygdala, if you've ever heard of that, your hippocampus, your hypothalamus. All of those types of structures that are very complicated, uh, it, it, it actually was pretty intriguing neuroanatomy-wise, like in training and stuff. And some people love it, some people hate it because it's so complicated. But that is where you have the interconnectivity of the physical body and the emotional and behavioral system. Um, and if you've ever heard where you're, things like neurotransmitters in your brain, that is how all of these structures talk to each other. So this is where you're talking about serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine, um, all of those, and there are much more in addition to hormones, right? Testosterone and your estrogen, progesterone. We are complexly and, and made by a genius, right? Mm. So this is just, it's, it's not a simple, let's talk about this for five minutes, everyone understands, great, <laughs> live your best life. Um, people study this their whole life and still, you know, don't get to it. So as long as we understand that connectivity, the mind and the body come together in a way, you know, in that system um, in our minds. So again, going back to the neurotransmitters, we hear a lot about serotonin, which when you hear serotonin, think the natural calming effect in your body. When you hear dopamine, think that pleasure, bliss, learning, focus, reward systems. There's a lot that's been talked about with dopamine and addiction. And dopamine, even do the dopamine hits that we get from likes on social media, mm. things like that, that like sincerely Absolutely. are creating yep. neurotransmitter fluxes that affect these structures in our brain that then affects our emotions, our behaviors, things like that. You know, adrenaline, fight or flight, of course, we know all those things. But then you start to think about or talk about <clears throat> instances of, let's say, anxiety, which anxiety and even a depressed mood, those are normal things, right? We're gonna struggle from time to time 
because of episodes, big events in our lives. Maybe we're ramping up for a big high stakes test or we got to pay off our mortgage or we got to meet our mortgage payment by the end of the month. You know, there are normal ways that anxiety pushes us to do things and to get things done, especially those who procrastinate, right? (laughs) You're in good company with that. But it becomes pathologic when it becomes a trend. And that's where in family medicine where I'm at, I'm able to kind of see the big picture trends of when is someone just struggling and it is what it is and they just need some time to, to digest and breathe through some problems. And when has it become pathologic where they can't get up, they can't function, they can't provide for their family. And that depression or anxiety is in the driver's seat of their life instead of in the back seat where it is for most people. So that's my perspective on this. And of course, that's where, you know, any intervention that I can offer medication-wise can be effective and helpful, sometimes even just short-term for patients, where let's say an SSRI, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor type of medication, provides you with more serotonin equals calm. Remember that? Uh, That effect on you. And that's why it can work on some patients. At least we think that's why it works. Um, and, And it doesn't, it's not the quick, easy button for all people. Uh, it really is patient-specific, so that's a conversation you need to have behind a closed door with someone you trust, whether that's a counselor, therapist, um, physician. But everyone is different from that perspective. But as believers, guys, that this is a totally different avenue of thought because so much, like what PJ was saying about the the war that we're in, so much of it is spiritual. And not to say, like, none of you have any physical you know, issue. None of you have serotonin you know, deficits or whatever that you would benefit from this. But as a believer, this is a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different approach where we really need to take back our own mind in disciplined ways to stay on top of this. You know? And it's not maybe that one medication that's going to fix everything for you. Maybe that is helpful for a season for you, but maybe you need to get in the word and fight for your mind. Maybe you need to get by yourself and get outside and, and go to the lake mm-hmm. on a routine basis and enjoy God's beauty and be with him so he can restore you from the inside out. And, and I can't tell you what your prescription would be, like, you know, what's the best regimen for you? But I'm telling you, you got to get alone with the Lord. Mm. You have to get alone with the Lord. Maybe paired with other things or therapists or this or that, totally fine. But you've got to be alone with the Lord because he will recharge you mm. and renew you and bring that healing. That is a process, yeah. Right. But he's going to do it. Right. And he wants us to go to him for this. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think kind of so what is the approach today or what is what is real life saying? What is Pastor Jim saying? Again, I think if you, you know, if we'd have been here 30 years ago, you just need, we just need to anoint you and pray over you, right? And not that that, but that was kind of like the only, that was kind of the only prescription. And I think today, you know, and although like culture has maybe shifted the other side, today is some balance that we talk about that, that I believe that whether it's a counselor that, that can help you to process that. There are medications, and I know you kind of moved on the DO side where, again, meds aren't necessarily the right. first thing, right. and there are doctors where that is the first thing. We're not necessarily saying that, but that's right. potential. We're talking about getting outside. We're talking about, again, preparing your mind for action, being more disciplined as a believer. We're talking to you about get to church and get involved in a community. Hello? I mean, the fact is, is that sometimes, obviously, what does an enemy want to do? He always wants to separate and isolate. Right. But obviously, when you find yourself, again, hopefully on our desire, in a loving, caring community, 
that hopefully brings value and hope and healing into your life as well, right? Right, and I think too, like you were saying, being wise to the schemes of the enemy is very important. Um, not that I'm always trying to think, how's Satan trying to attack my family today? But sometimes you have to stand back and see what trend is developing in my home. I've worked hard for peace and stability and you know a strong marriage. So those would be areas that, of course, it would be easy for the enemy to trip, trip us up. And sometimes we leave the back door open, mm -hmm. right? We're like, everything's secured on the front part of my house, but I am exposing myself to all this junk, let's say social media, which has a direct correlation of use with anxiety and depression, right? So if you're say looking at- Say it again, at, all right, you're if, listening. If you're looking at research, I just finished a book about this too, and it said there's a direct correlation, a one-to-one -one correlation with the struggle. The struggle is real, guys. Our mind, we gotta take it back and be wise to the schemes of the enemy. So if you're sensitive to, you know, approval of others, then 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 starve that in mm -hmm. yourself by not engaging in that way, maybe. Maybe it's a social media thing for you. If you are sensitive to certain things, you have to know, how am I wired? And, and I might not be wired to struggle with depression, let's say, but I might be more wired to struggle with anxiety. And so I need to see, what are the triggers in my life? I, I have to remove things. Do I need to make lists? Do I need to stay more organized? And I know you can't think your way through everything, and God designed us to be dependent on him. Uh, but we need to be wise to the schemes of the enemy. How, how are we seeing, um, you know, where, where are the weak spots in yeah. our life, in our marriage, with our kids? Um, it, because eventually you find that, that your energy gets sucked away. And I think if, if there is a certain percentage of apathy in your life, let that be a red flag. Because when you don't care, when you don't care, it's a red flag. Mm. That's all I'm going right. to say. Right? So, so look into why you don't care. Are you, are you physically tired? Are you emotionally exhausted and you need to digest some things? Because when you stop caring, you stop living and you stop dreaming and you stop being proactive on a spiritual front too. And suddenly you don't have the energy to discipline or disciple your children. Mm. Anything goes. I don't care. Put them in front of a screen. Right? And suddenly you don't want to date your spouse anymore. Whatever. It's just, you know, we've been married yeah, 10 years. Whatever. And, and you... It, don't. Right. If, it's, if it's apathy that yeah. you're struggling with, identify why. Get with a close friend. Get with the Lord. Why am I apathetic, Lord? You know, do that soul searching. Yeah, we're going to take just two more minutes because there's one other. You mentioned a couple of things. And, and if you have kids in kids ministry, you need to tip the care workers today because they have your kids past time and they're going to be like, they're going to need Dr. Lydia after <laughs> church today. So you just mentioned, and you used the word a couple of times, like digest, and, and so the other part too is like, so we've been talking social media, and we're not just jumping on social media, but food and yeah. our gut and all that kind of thing is, is an emotional center. So whether you know this or not, biblically, a lot of the things that the Bible talks about, your mind is not your brain or your head. Back in that time, they believed your source center was here. The Bible talks about your bowels, right? Bowels of mercy, Right? It, it was talking about this is what they thought was the, the, the center of your life. We've obviously developed and understood that our brain right, is much more of the functioning center, but when we're out of control, whether with foods or emotion or stress, right, yeah. 
that Absolutely. plays a big part. And I think we discussed at the, at the ladies event, like ni about 95% of your serotonin is synthesized in your intestines. And if you there, then that could also be throwing you off even neurotransmitter wise. And then of course you get into just the natural fluctuations that we have hormonally throughout our lives for different reasons. And there are reasons physically why we struggle. And so how can I better care for myself physically so that my mental and emotional health will also coincide with that? Again, this isn't something that gets fixed in a day, right? So I, I want to say this in a kind way and in a gentle way because it's not easy. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. Have you learned some things today? Been challenged, right? Has, any been, has anyone been happy with what I've said today? Has anybody been mad because hopefully, right, right, we're doing our job. Uh, let me give you this last verse. We're going to put it up on the screen. I want you to kind of lock it in. Um, you know, put it on a post-it note. Romans chapter 8 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit brings life and what? Peace. Isn't that good? Yeah. So write that in like Dr. Lydia talked about. Get some things that are going to secure you. And again, consume God's word, right? Be around people that are going to lift you up. As Paul said, I still struggle. We are not here to say, hey, do, you know, again, take this pill, talk to this person, and your whole life is going to be better forever. We're going to be in the war until Jesus takes us home. But the more that you are prepared, the better life is going to be for all of us. Amen? Amen. Give Dr. Lydia a big hand. Jocelyn, come on up. We're going to pray. Thank you so much for spending a little extra time with us today and, and talking about one of these issues that we don't often get a chance to talk about. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Um, make sure, you know, why don't we just add in, for those of you, just, just kind of as a sense that we're connected here today, why don't you take a little extra time? I know a lot of you like to bolt the minute I kind of say the final amen, you're out the door. Why don't you just kind of just stop somebody real quick and just like talk to them for a quick second or say hi let's just be a community right that's where our health comes from that we're part of something that's living that's that, that we desire to be a part of one another if you have your gifts your ties your offerings make sure you get to the giving station or you give online make sure you're a part of your gives you'll start hearing about some of that stuff this week we want to bless a lot of people and we want to be a blessing so father thank you for your word and the opportunity this summer to talk about some things that are difficult to talk about or, or that it's rare to talk about but Thank you for an environment and a loving opportunity, a church that, that's willing to take on these issues. Bless this church, this family, those that have been viewing with us online. Thank you for today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.